How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. It's Friday, and that means it's time for Options Action. I'm Courtney Reagan. In this evening for Melissa Lee, here is what's coming up. Tonight, Disney stock down around 30% year-to-date. Next week's earnings results could be pivotal for the company. Carter Worth plays Jack Sparrow and charts a course through the maelstrom. Then, Tony Zhang keeps clear of all volatility and goes bottom fishing instead. After a dip, he likes chips. Find out which giant in the sector he's favoring now. Finally, a follow-on to our previous gold miners trade. Mike Coe focuses in on Barrick Gold on a possible Fed pivot. It's time to risk less to make more. Options action starts now. Let's get right to it. Disney has had a rough start to the year, down about 30%. And next week's earnings report could be pivotal for the stock. So could a turnaround be more than a figment of your imagination? The chart master, Carter Worth, is here to chart this ride. Carter, what are you seeing? Well, it's a, it's an unmitigated disaster. It's a mess. And sometimes there's opportunity when it's all gone uh, sort of kaplooey. Let's uh, look at a table. There is something known as the dogs of the Dow. It's something that is examined at the end of any calendar year. But here you'll see on the screen, uh, these are the worst performing stocks. And I've mislabeled that. That is on a 12-month trailing basis, not year to date. And you see Disney bringing up the rear down 40%. And each of these stocks has their own idiosyncratic issue from 3M and Boeing and so forth. Now, let's look at a chart or two and try to figure out what we have. So here is a comparative chart, two lines, very straightforward, S&P versus Disney. On a five-year basis, Disney essentially is unch, and the S&P, of course, still has handsome gains. Now, the question for Disney itself, look at the drawings on this next uh, chart, annotations, uh, you can call it whatever you want, but it has the elements of a bearish to bullish reversal. A head and shoulders bottom, doesn't matter what you call it, but the sequencing would suggest that something is afoot. Look at the next way to draw the line, same chart, same time frame. It's just the downtrending question, and we've moved above it. Put those two together, the preceding two charts, and what we have is a stock that, one, has moved above a downtrend line and has the elements of reversing. And then finally, there's this. Look at this relative performance chart. This is simply Disney relative to its sector. And what you'll see here is Disney relative to XLY final chart. And every time we've come down, and we're in free fall here, absolute and relative, to this uh, downward sloping trend line, we've bounced. Hence, the arrow's drawn. And the bet is that this is an instance of so bad it's good, play for a bounce. Huh. Okay, so I'm following the narrative, following the logic here in the charting. Mike, what's the trade then? Yeah, so, you know, it's interesting. Disney, uh, just for a frame of reference, you know, their peak earnings back 2018, probably about $7 a share. It's trading about 15 times that number. Of course, EPS fell significantly. Why? Because so many of their businesses were impacted by the pandemic. But we are starting to see some signs of life in the parks area, for example. Obviously, they have the cruise areas. But the important thing to remember, I think a lot of people have been focusing on 
things like streaming. And of course, they are trying to have their own sort of on-demand service. But the critical asset that Disney has is ESPN. This is much like news that you're watching right now, must see television in real time. And that's a real asset because that generates about $4 billion. That's about a third of their EBITDA. I'm with Carter. I think that this is a company that it may not get back to its 2018 numbers, but it doesn't need to to be reasonably valued. If we get back to six bucks in EPS, which I think we probably will in 2024, uh, this looks like a, a compelling situation. Of course, when we go into earnings, we will tend to see options premiums are slightly elevated. That is the case here. I'm looking at selling a put spread, the nearest dated regular one, which is the August 105-100 put spread, selling that put spread, which is just slightly out of the money. You'd collect a little over $1.60 for that. Nice thing about this, this trade is that even if the stock just essentially trades sideways or even if it just fell a small amount, uh, you're probably okay here. And of course, you get to collect all of that premium if the stock does rise and your maximum risk is going to be $3.40 per share. Uh, that's if it fell all the way below that $100 strike price. I, I think that's less likely. Hmm. Tony Zhang, what are your thoughts here on Mike's trade or char Carter's charting? A little bit of both. Uh, I quite like both. Um, looking at Disney, I think there's a lot of optimism, especially on the back of what we heard from Netflix this particular quarter, but also Hilton and Marriott, which just reported earlier this week. You know, travel seems to be coming back at quite a strong pace, and that certainly is good for both the theme park as well as the streaming direct-to-consumer uh, direct business. And if you look at the chart here, I think that 110 level that it failed to get above in early June, that could be the earnings could be the catalyst that we see that break above that level. So Mike's trade, he's using a credit spread. This is a type of strategy that I use quite often, especially going into earnings, because, as he said, two out of the three possible scenarios, if Disney moves higher or if it moves sideways, this is a strategy that will be profitable. The trade-off with this high type of probability type of trade is the fact that you have negative risk to reward ratio. I happen to be in the camp that I think Disney could move meaningfully higher on earnings. So my preference would be to look at buying a debit spread and take advantage of that upside. But I think that my preference is more so based on a, perhaps a different outlook than Mike, not necessarily because I don't like his trade. Okay, so Mike, I'm gonna give you the final word and the reaction there. Yeah, I mean, I think the real issue is whether or not you think that the market might be reaching some area of potential resistance. I do feel that way. We've got some uncertainty coming in here. We have to figure out what the Fed's going to do. We've got these inflation numbers to worry about. I have a feeling we're at a difficult level for the market, and that's the reason I selected a credit spread rather than a debit spread. But both have uh, their benefits. Okay, good explanation. Let's switch gears here if we can. Tony Zhang likes to consume chips after the dip, and right now he's nibbling a little on Intel. Tony, take it away. Yeah, so the, the reason is similar to, to what Carter's looking at in terms of Disney. This is a stock that obviously has a very dismal chart. But I think one important level for us to pay attention to is that $35 level that we've now reached down to. Because this was the level that the stock stuck, uh, the, the stock was stuck below 35 for about 16 years after the dot-com bubble. And it only broke out from there in 2017, all the way peaking up to about 68 and a half bucks before coming all the way back to this $35 level. And I think the market has a little bit of memory here. And I think this is a potential opportunity to seek some long exposure. Now, if you look at the, the sentiment here, this is really what I think is, is most interesting. Only a quarter of analysts that cover Intel have a buy rating on this. And most of these analysts don't expect any type of meaningful 
revenue and EPS growth until 2024. So right now, the sentiment on the on the street is fairly overly bearish, and I think that kind of that kind of sentiment leads me to be a bit more of a contrarian, especially now that we've reached this important level to start looking for some long exposure. So the trade structure that I want to use is taking into account the fact that I'm looking for long-term opportunity here for Intel. So I'm going out to the September 9th weekly, January 2023, uh, 35.38 call diagonal spread, spending about $3.55 for that January 2023-35 at the money call option. And I'm collecting about 44 cents by selling that September 9th weekly option with the strike price of around 38 bucks. Here I'm net net paying just a little under 10% of the stock's value to gain upside exposure through January of 2023. And by selling a diagonal spread or trading a diagonal spread, I have the opportunity to potentially sell further calls against my long call to reduce the cost of buying these long, longer dated calls. Huh, okay. Mike, what's your thoughts here on Tony's strategy for Intel? Yeah, I mean, I, I would actually point people to earnings we just saw in, in Uber, and that actually tells us a little bit when the street is so pessimistic about something, what can happen when you get any kind of decent numbers coming out? You have a, a real uh, upside uh, surprise potential. Actually, it's interesting because here's a place where I might just use a straight vertical myself on that bet because the real problem for Intel and the reason we've been seeing these steep declines and huge underperformance relative to AMD is the fact that you know management really was focusing more on marketing than engineering. And of course, that takes some time to correct that problem. Huh. Carter, what's your take? Do you see anything in the charts here for Intel? Well, just as Tony articulated and very similar to Disney, this is a prototypical so bad it's good. I would point out that if you looked at Intel's relative performance to the SOX index, the Philadelphia Semiconductor Index, which we know its first print, December 1, 1993, that's the inception date, Intel is making all-time record relative lows. That is the very definition of so bad it's good. <laughs> well, Tony, this is your trade. I'm going to give you the final word. So I, I, I appreciate Carter's. That's exactly very similar type trade-ups to, to Disney. And to Mike's comment about using a vertical, you know, we just had earnings, so I feel that the lack of catalyst uh, for me is better to take a longer-dated call diagonal. Okay. Well, there is more options action after this. Take a look. Still to come, if the Fed pivots more toward recession than inflation, Professor Ko is going long gold. Find out which particular name has him shouting, mine. Plus, calling all options action fans. Reach into your pocket, grab your phone, and tweet us your question at options action. If it's nice, we'll answer it on air when options action returns. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses. Welcome back to Options Action. Back at the very beginning of July, Carter and Mike took a look at the junior gold miners. These are the junior miners. They're the most destroyed. And in fact, they have been like a pinball machine. They have been working within this channel almost perfectly. And what I'm thinking here is that we're going to move to the upside, whether it's M&A or whether it's just because, again, uh, this is a better time to be in gold than a lot of things. I was looking out to September 
at the 30, 34, 39 call spread risk reversal. Well, since then, after a little bit of volatility, that ETF is pretty much back where it started in July. Carter, you've been continuously updating your thoughts on gold since then. Give us a summary. Sure. So actually, the small miners are handily outperforming the larger uh, brethren, but we're going to look at the bigger ones today, GDX. And so the first chart is the GDX versus the GDXJ. That's the ones like Newmont and Barrick and so forth, big heavy uh, miners. And what my eye sees is the beginning of a reversal. It's nascent. It's only seven to 15 sessions in the making. Another way to draw the lines would be putting a trend line in. Are we through the trend line? You see that here on the second chart. And so the question is, is this enough to make a call? Whereas the GDX has already done that, uh, we think it is. And so the play here is to look at something that's lag, look at Barrick Gold, that's G-O-L-D. It is not through the trend line. It's about a 10% weight in the GDX. And the thinking is that this is up and out. Now look at uh, two long-term charts, just to put this in perspective. This is an all data monthly chart. Essentially, uh, Barrick is unchanged from where it was in 1990, which of course is pretty shocking. Independent of that, let's put some lines on. Final chart, we have dipped down to a trend line that's been in effect since um, 2012. We think you get a bounce here, just as you've seen the previous two times. Hmm. All right. Well, Mike, uh, we want before we get to your bear gold trade, give us some thoughts of yours on the junior miners here. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, I had that uh, junior miner position on. Uh, we we kind of actually pushed on that because basically we really needed it to rally. Uh, sharply higher um, than when we initiated the trade, and we ended up, you know, with a with a small profit on on that one. As it happens, uh, we happen to hold Barrick Gold in our fund on the long side, the equity, uh, and so I'm, you know, alongside Carter here uh, because we're long gold and we're long that particular company. This, of course, is not one of the junior miners. This is a 28 billion dollar company. But what was interesting to me as I was taking a look at this today was that there was a pretty favorable risk-reward relationship to be had by simply buying an in-the-money September 15-18 call spread. And the reason I was looking at that was because at the time that I was, uh, this was about 50 cents in the money. Looks like it closed about 60 cents in the money by the end of the day. And that was only going to cost me about uh, 85 to 90 cents per share to put that on. So that sets up a very favorable risk-reward relationship on the long side, since it basically pays about two to one if you get a rally up to about that 18 level and you're risking less than a dollar per share on the downside between now and September expiration. Now, you know, we were having a conversation earlier about rates, about the Fed, and about inflation. Now, I think sort of one of the headline inflationary numbers that a lot of people tend to look at, most people sort of see it every day as they're driving past gas stations, is the cost of energy. Now, we do have some bad inflation numbers. I think the inflation numbers we get next week are also going to look bad. But in energy costs have actually been coming down. So if other inflation numbers are going up, and if the price of gold goes up, but energy prices are going down, that's good news for the miners, because energy is one of their input costs. So if you have your cost going down, but your end product going up, that's a good place to be. Okay, I'm following. Tony, so far it's been the Mike and Carter show on gold. We want to get your thoughts too. What are you thinking? 
Um, so we seem to have a theme here today. I promise we didn't discuss this, but we're all looking for stocks that are significantly down on the year, looking for opportunities. And gold, and Barrett Gold certainly falls into that category, down 40 plus percent over the last couple of months. And if, one thing that's really important on Carter's charts that also we have to pay attention to is we pulled back to a pretty important level. That bottom that he pointed out is around 14 and a half. Those are the 2018 highs. So this is really an important level for it to pull back to an area of support to look for this long opportunity. And what we're seeing here near this bottom, that, that head and shoulders formation that Carter was showing you, these are some classic signs of downside exhaustion. We saw lower lows in, in price for Barrett Gold, but during that time, we didn't see momentum confirm those lows, and we didn't see implied volatility confirm those lows. Those are some of the really classic signs that we see to, for picking a bottom or confirmation of a bottom. So I actually took a, a long position here in gold a couple of weeks ago, and I happen to agree here that there's some a further upside, further uh, move here to the upside, and GDX or, or any of these gold miners is really a leverage play here on gold. And I really like Mike's trade setup of using an in-the-money debit spread for the exact reason that he said, which is the fact that the break-even price on this debit spread is just about 2% higher than where the stock is trading today. And he's only risking about 5% of the underlying stock's value in order to place this bet. And he has a more than two to one risk to reward ratio on this particular trade. So if we get a nice bounce here in gold and Barrett Gold reaches up to the $18, he's going to get about two and a half times on the 86 cents or 85 cents that he's paying for this debit spread. So love the trade in gold and love the trade setup that he's using. Okay, Carter, give us your golden touch and your final take here on the gold trade. Well, uh, one thing that is stunning, and it has to be said, right, if you look at that all data chart, basically the gold mining business is is a tough one, right? It, 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 you're digging and hunting and pecking and a very hard way to make a living. But there are moments when gold and gold miners are the single best thing one can do. And having some here, whether it's the bullion or whether it's a stock like this or an ETF like GDXJ or GDX, we think that that's uh, something that needs to be owned. Okay, well, coming up next, we are answering your tweets. Don't go away. Your question could be next. Welcome back to Options Action. Our first viewer writes in, quote, I have a decent-sized position in United Health Group and was wondering if I should add more at these levels. Side note, I've owned United Health shares for close to 10 years and love the stock. Carter, this one's for you. Well, let's just start with the fact that uh, that's pure genius, right? What, <laughs> we, what do we know about the last 10 years? United Healthcare is up fourfold the S&P. United Healthcare has beaten Microsoft on a 10-year basis. It has beaten Apple. It has beaten Google. So uh, you're onto a good thing there, and you have the patience to stick with it. And I would add more. The stock has just returned to its April high, and the presumption is it will break out and exceed those highs. But you have uh, just a sort of a, a perfect a sort of north by northeast, steady as she goes, large, deliberate operating business that looks like it's got more to go. Tony, what's your technical take here on United Health? Yeah, I completely concur with Carter here because not only did we return back to those April highs, if you look at the relative performance of United Health to the healthcare sector, it's already broken out past those April highs. So that's a good sign that this is potentially an opportunity to add more before a breakout. If you look at valuations, it's we're, we're expecting about 14% EPS growth over the next couple of years, revenue growth in the in the high uh, uh, double digits or low double digits, and I think trading at about 21 times next year's earnings is a very reasonable valuation 
for a name like United Health that has been consistent in generating a significant amount of free cash flow. So I like the stock and I think it's a good time to consider adding right before this breakout. In 10 years, what a hold on that one. Well, our next viewer asks, quote, with the Huntington Ingalls industries moving higher over the past couple of weeks, do you think it'll be able to sustain its progress? And what plays would you recommend to take advantage of movement? Mike, this one's for you. Over the past couple of weeks, uh, this thing has been up a whole lot this year, actually. It's uh, not a lot of stocks we can point to that are up more than uh, 20%. And it did have a positive move out of their uh, recent earnings. So those things are, are all good. That said, uh, it appears to me, and this is probably going to be a question that should be directed at either Tony or Carter, who have more of a technical bent than I do, it does seem to me like it might be reaching a difficult le level. Now, here's the thing. If you benefited from the move, though, you have the opportunity to substitute your long equity position with options now that earnings have already come out and made options a little bit cheaper. But I'll defer to them on the technicals. Okay. Tony, do you want to get in on that one at all? Yeah, very similar trade setup to the United Health before uh, that we were talking about. Recent highs here back in April or so, around 227. But the one thing that you should pay attention to is not just the absolute price, but the relative price, which relative to industrials, it has already broken out. And I think that is a good sign for this particular stock going forward. Okay. Well, up next, the final call. And be sure to stay tuned at the top of the hour for a CNBC special, Inside Jobs. Eamon Javers dives into every angle of this morning's employment report and what the stronger-than-expected number says about the state of the economy. Options Action will be back in two. It's already time for the final call. Carter, starting with you. Well, Disney, the ultimate dogs of the Dow stock, down 40% the past 12 months. So bad, it's good. Tony. Most analysts on the street hate Intel. I think it's time to get some long exposure with the call diagonal. And round us out, Mike. Uh, Disney is cheaper than it was in 2019, but next year they're going to have higher revenues and higher net income. I like them in earnings. Okay, well, that does it for us here on Options Action. We'll be back next Friday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern. But don't go anywhere. CNBC special Inside Jobs starts now. How do you land your dream job? It starts by acing the interview. Learn exactly what hiring managers are looking for with CNBC Make It's new career-boosting online course. Get the limited-time offer. Register now at cnbcmakeit.com slash courses.